Welcome back to episode two of the Future Film Podcast. Uh, it's Robert Fitzhugh here uh, from the Dublin Smartphone Film Festival and the now Future Film Podcast. Uh, if anyone's just tuning in, you are enjoying that stylish background music that was created by yours truly. This entire podcast, in keeping with the theme, uh, has been created on a mobile phone using uh, every device at my disposal. That beautiful tune you're hearing in the background is from an app called HomeTap. Um, and I have been um, humming the tune and then turning it into a jingle for the podcast. I think it worked out pretty well. Uh, welcome back. It's episode two. Um, and this week we are speaking to uh, filmmaker um, uh, Alexander. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry if I pronounced this wrong. Giliusu. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I really am. Alexander, I really, really apologize if I got your name wrong. Uh, and we are talking all things uh, smartphone filmmaking. And particularly, we're talking about running the festival circuit and what it's like to be a first-time filmmaker uh, out there in the modern festival circuit. Um, how they get on, highs, lows, reactions. Uh, so hopefully you enjoy the chat. Hi, guys. Alexander? Yes. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Good. Yeah, sorry, I was sending you the wrong thing. Um, okay. I, I was clicking the wrong button and I was assuming that it was a uh, fault on your end, but no, it was mine. Uh, how are things with you? Things are great. Great. What, are great. what time is it there? It's 2.48 p.m. Okay, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, okay, not a.m. Yeah. Sorry, for a second PM. I thought it was 10 to 3 in the morning. I was like, wow, that, <laughs> no, you, you, no. look, you look pretty fresh-faced no. uh, for no. 10 to 3 in the morning. Yeah, whenever uh, I had to talk to... Um, uh, international mobile film festival because they're in san diego yeah that's when i had that's when i have to do the 1 a.m phone calls but where are you based i'm in st louis missouri so i'm in the uh, middle okay. of the country yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so what's yeah. the time difference there it's like uh, seven or eight hours two hours it's two hours between us and uh san diego but if she likes to do a phone call at 10 p.m. then I'm like, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, did, I did. I was on her. I was on her podcast, or I was on a podcast once. I think it might have been hers. And I had to log on at two in the morning, and then the yeah. connection was really bad, and there was a storm or something, and it wasn't usable in the end. And it was. Uh, I was talking to myself for ages. I couldn't hear anything. So, um, but no. Anyway, so um, before I get into a bit about yourself, I just want to explain what it is I do. I know you got a random request here. What I do is I, I every Thursday night I like to talk to filmmakers. It's sort of like a live podcast type thing, mm-hmm. and I talk to filmmakers from around the world. And then what I do is I, I, I people can play this back afterwards, and then I take the audio and I'm I'm uh, I'm actually flashing it into a podcast so i'm actually making episodes of for a future podcast out of it and um, so in like three to four weeks time i'll have content to start loading out um a thing but i i really like live video i like chatting to people live so i figured i would just do it every thursday and kind of keep a regular cadence and just talk to people um, and i just think yeah. it's a great way to connect I, I i wanted to do more live and i started i went live as a test i ended up talking to a filmmaker from nigeria for ages and then i just after that i was kind of hooked so i figured i would just do it um, That's great. I love this platform. Yeah, it's cool. It's just, it's fun. It's a bit of fun. But uh, I'm in my tiny office uh, and I have a massive light shining in my face. But you have a uh, wonderful natural light coming from somewhere. Are you? I see you? there's a window right Nice. Right here. Look at this. It's DIY, <laughs> DIY filmmaking right there. Yeah, uh, I pretty t- much never use lighting. I try to use natural lighting as much as I can. Really? 
Uh, it's yep. funny because I, I, I want to do that, but then when I shoot video, I shoot a lot of kind of tutorial type things. So I generally just tend to flood it with lights so I don't have to think about it. <laughs> because they don't, they're, they're normally kind of corporate-y kind of things, so I just flood it with light and then I don't have to worry about I have no control over the rooms I shoot in either, so I, there's windows and stuff like that, and it's just a pain. So I generally tend to just kind of control everything. It keeps it easy for me. I know exactly right. what I'm doing, and I can get in and get out uh, very, very quickly. But, um, See, that's the thing. I'd probably mess it up because I don't know how to control it if I have the control. Yeah. But if I'm in a situation where the you know I just know the, the natural light and how it's working, I'm like, perfect. Well, just this is the way I'm going to do it. So you shot, uh, just out of curiosity then, your, the deepest cut was your first kind of, for everyone who's listening in, uh, Alejandro shot a really, really powerful uh, documentary called The Deepest Cut that you have seemingly submitted and got into every single festival in existence from the last year. I mean, you kind of really, <laughs> you really shopped it around and got into a lot of festivals. Um, but yeah. sorry, before I get into that, The Deepest Cut, was that was all natural light? That was all shot? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And did you and notice... That was the, go ahead. Did you know the subject? Was it someone you knew and you were able to get access yeah. to their house and stuff? Okay. So. Yes. It was family. It was, uh, hmm. that was my family. And um, for years I had wanted to tell the story of my brother because I was watching every year as his health was declining. And I thought this is, it, it's too important to to let this go and not share this. And so what I did was I actually was really sneaky we were visiting at the at my parents house and i wanted to ask him i brought my microphone and everything but i was sneakily taking film of him all the time while oh, nice. there. and and it wasn't until the very last day of his visit that i said hey look i i really want to do a video uh, that talks about what you're going through um would you be willing to do it and and just talk about your experience and he was a hundred percent on board. And I, the, I think the most impactful thing for me was the fact that I got over an hour's worth of testimonial from my family. I mean, they opened yeah. up like I never would have expected. And then, so, you yeah, told, I could have yeah. a, and then I had, then I realized I had really, you know, less, you know, a little more than five minutes worth of video. And I was like, oh God, <laughs> yeah, what am I going to do? <laughs> I should have shot more. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, did you go exactly. back and shoot more then or did you just use the five minutes? Did you just use the I five used minutes? I five minutes. Yeah. That's incredible because yeah. the movie's very, very moving and you did get very honest uh, conversation. I could not imagine my parents kind of being that honest and that kind of open. But then my parents right. are kind of Irish, so they're very much emotionally shut off. But um, I couldn't imagine them being that open about a subject. But I suppose if they're never asked, I don't know, I, my, yeah. my parents might be if they're asked, you know what I mean? But, um, well, here's a trick. Here's a yeah. trick. Because my family doesn't talk about that stuff either. Uh, I had no video. I just had a microphone in a room and said, look, you're not, I just want you, I turned it on and I said, just, you know, just tell me who you are and, you know, tell me, you know, for each one and their relationship to my brother. And then, and then tell me about, you know, growing up with it, him growing up with this and your experience with it. And they just, that was it. That's yeah. all I had to say. And I think because there wasn't a camera, camera on them, in their face, yeah, they felt I it it literally was like 
You know, those MTV shows of long ago when people used to go into the little closets. Yeah, little testimonial type testimonial. things. The confession and room. Just, the confession yeah, room. That was they it, yeah. just went to town confessing, and that's... And did you have? Did you have to? You, you didn't have to cut it. I don't. You just got lump sums of conversation. You were just. Able I to had say. lump sums, and I had to just go through. And so the first edit was probably ten minutes. Yeah. And and when I realized I didn't have enough video, that's when I had to go in again and and cut. So nice. I was. I was. Yeah. I was. I was happy. I was able to still keep a, a kernel of a story with with so yeah. little time. But it is great that you're. The, your 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 brother comes. You shoot like five minutes worth of footage, and from that, you're able to craft a documentary. Just by yeah. by kind of, oh, I've got this footage, and now I just need stories to link it together. And then you've got something that's seemingly. How many festivals did you submit it? Uh, I submitted it to twenty nine festivals. <laughs> and how many did you get into? <laughs> about about half. Okay. So I pretty, guess that's good. I don't know. That's really good. I mean, <laughs> most people most people submit to like one, get rejected, and then give up and move on. Uh, but oh. I mean, you, you took uh, by most people, I mean me. But um, the uh, you seem to just it seems to have legs. Like you've been kind of that's been what two years? Was it a year and a half? Two years? Oh, it was just a year. year. Just a year. It was a year. Yeah. It feels like way longer. Yeah. Um, but like, and you still it's still in contention in certain festivals and things like that. It is. I think there's there are four more that I'm okay. waiting on. And yeah. my husband actually is the one that told me to stop. He's like, really? okay, it's time for you to make a new yeah, yeah, yeah. video yeah. Yeah. and put this one to bed. And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> but still 29. I mean, I would go for 56 at least and then call it a day. And 56 is a nice crazy number to go for. But no, 29 is, yeah. is, is, and to get into half that is quite an achievement. And there weren't all smartphone festivals. There was a mix. Was no, there? they weren't. I, I totally went for it. I started out with smartphone film festivals and said, well, you know what, let's see how this does against, you know, everybody else. And, and what was surprising is I didn't always enter in the mobile film category. Yeah. I, I oftentimes tried to, to enter it in documentary short. And so it was really surprising when I got into, into those festivals because I was going against people with really nice cameras and, you know, this a lot I, of time and crew yeah. and all of this a, stuff. A, a, common, a common conversation we have on these is about that. It's because your audience at those things probably didn't know what it was shot on. Um, right. Probably didn't realize that it was shot on the phone because, you know, if the story is compelling and, and, and you the, the, the interviews you got are engaging, people won't even notice. So you're competing based on the power of your story, I suppose, not the, the visuals that you're presenting. So mm-hmm. that would make sense for it to get into documentary stuff. It's surprising that, like, some people, I might have thought you might have hedged your bets by entering into the, 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 the smartphone round because the category, because it's like with the Dublin Smartphone Film Festival, a lot of people, a lot of people enter fiction. Um, when really, if they were to enter music video, or you know, if they were to stretch it a little bit, they, they, there's less people submit to those categories, so there's more chance for your film to be seen and stuff like that. But a lot of people just either enter fiction or documentary, and sometimes some of these fictions have music and they're music based, but they don't want to call them music videos because they're not. But there's a small potential uh-huh. chance that the pool is smaller for music videos, so you may be able to get it in there. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. But how did you find the festival experience? Because you're someone who's been, I've noticed online, who kind of talks a lot about festivals, getting into festivals. How did you, because it was your first time yeah. entering. Yeah, and I don't know if that was a good idea or a bad idea. But. No, I thought it was interesting <laughs> because 
I thought it was interesting because it was nice to hear it from uh, the other side of, of kind of when, how did you find it? Like in, from, from the whole process from start to getting in, did you have any kind of bad experiences, good experiences? Uh, I, overall the experiences were very good. Yeah. Uh, I think the, I think the, there are a few it, big things for me. The first one was that I was just entering stuff, right? Yeah. And I wasn't really paying attention to all of the requirements. I knew individually when I entered that, oh, yes, I meet this criteria, mm-hmm. let's enter. But I didn't look at it holistically. So there was one festival over the summer, which you might remember, that I was selected for, but I was entered into two festivals that had sort of a, they called it sort of a premier status and not outright, but pretty, somewhat suggested that. And I I told the festival, I was like, well, I'm so sorry. I can't release my video until after these festivals. And they said, well, we're sorry. And then next thing I know I was rejected and I was like, oh, and it wasn't their fault at all. It wasn't, it was totally my fault for the fact that I just said, Hey, let's just try all this stuff and see what happens. Yeah. And see what happens. And what I found out later was that when I talked to those other two festivals, um, they actually didn't require that for short films, but they don't state that in their in their rules and regulations. And yeah. and so I guess I learned from that that in the future, should I decide to enter a festival like that, I need to just be a little more proactive and just out, ask them outright and say, hey, you know, I have a short film. Yeah, is yeah. it okay if this is released? Because it would have been really nice to have been in that that festival because that one was a smartphone film festival. And, um, there were people that I'd met at international film festival that, uh, that were also, uh, selected for that festival. And I was just like, Oh, you know, this is, this is just a shame that, it, yeah. that, you know, that this happened. And it was pretty much my fault just because I just didn't know. Well, I mean, but now yeah. I do. So. <laughs> so you live and learn, I suppose the, pr- yeah, the premier, the premier status thing I get, I suppose, uh, I get it. I get it to a degree, but I don't. I suppose it's, I, I'd look at it more from the like just because your film exists online, or just because you don't want your film to be released early. I, really, it should be about kind of showing it to as many people as possible. Yeah. So it doesn't really. It's not something we really concern ourselves. With. It's not something I've ever put any thought into. Really, uh, I just assumed if you've got a film and you want to enter it, you want people to see it, then enter it, and want people to see it, and. Yeah. I've never been in a scenario where I assume people won't come because they have access to films already. So sometimes we have films in the past couple of years that were shown that were existing on YouTube already. And I suppose the, 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 the fear was that people would be like, well, why would we bother going to the thing if we could watch some of them online? And I suppose you're there for the event. You're there to meet people. You're there to network. Mm-hmm. You're there to kind of thing. So there's a whole kind of thing that comes with it. So you don't get that same experience if you're just sitting at home watching a movie on YouTube, right. you know what I mean? Um, so it's not something I've ever really concerned myself with. But um, no, it's interesting. Uh, just you're the, the only person I, who I know who's entered so many festivals and you seem to always be entering things. And I was very, very curious from a filmmaker's perspective what you thought of that process. And you're saying it was quite positive for the most part. It um, was, it really was. Yeah, and, I, I, and I spent the time, um, you know, uh, communicating with a lot of the festivals. And, yeah. you know, some of them, like yours... We're just amazing. I mean, the fact that, you know, that you watched me long after your festival was over and and continued following what was going on was, I mean, that says a lot 
So yeah. I, I think there are a lot of festivals out there that talk about how they support filmmakers and, um, and, and the community of filmmakers. But I, I really found that there's probably a handful that truly that truly do what they say yeah it's 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 fun that's funny because like i we we operate on very little budget and i know other festivals who do have that same kind of reach but i mean that's really that's really all you've got if you've got no money and you've got whatever all you've really got is a community and you know what i mean and that's how you kind of interact and that's how you build anything is through a community of filmmakers so that's very important for us to be constantly like a year-long thing it's not just a it's not just a uh like a a one-off event thing it's like a year-long thing because we're trying to build a community we're trying to build a community here in ireland of, of of filmmakers i know there's some people have joined this chat who are part of this kind of growing community we're doing meetups and things like that but it's, it's just very important for us to have a community and mm-hmm. and for it and for it to not just be like thanks for submitting a film and and, and goodbye but i understand that there's a lot of bigger festivals that really probably yeah. don't have the bandwidth to be able to interact with filmmakers right. uh, to that degree. But at the same time, I think you lose something when you don't. Um, I, I think you... I mean, people will still want to go to prestige, prestige. You know, I want to get into Cannes. I want to, and and the, the label of that alone and what that does for your film, if you do. But if you're a smaller festival, I think it should be community-based. Uh, yeah. I think it really should just be about kind of looking after the people who've kind of helped you at the beginning and kind of making sure that their projects get known and aired and stuff like that. And it doesn't take much. Just, no, it doesn't. It takes two seconds on, online to retweet a, a thing. It doesn't take much at all. It was not much effort at all. But no, it's just, it's funny because I, I some people have kind of bad festival experiences uh, and you, because you had entered so many, some people, they don't get feedback or they, 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 they don't hear back or their films aren't watched. And I was always just curious to know because it was your first film. Are you working on, on, are you, are you taking your husband's advice and going for a, uh, yes. a second film? <laughs> are you? I, yes. I, you she know, says how she submits to more I festivals. Know, <laughs> I know, I know. Uh-huh. I, um, so what happened was I, I had parted ways with a job I was with for 20 years yeah, because this, I really this, wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> This was, uh, you used to, because you, you, what was that job? Because you were working. I, was an exhi- this- I mean, I still am. I'm an exhibit designer. So I do the, you know, ex- so if you go to a zoo or an aquarium or oh, a science cool. center or, yeah. and you see the exhibits and the signage and the, that's yeah. the stuff that I do. But when I was at the place where I worked, I was really always pushing video because I said, people are so visual and I, I felt that the storytelling was far more compelling through video mm-hmm. than through word and photos alone. Um, a lot of clients always wonder why I was a, a designer when I tell them that I'm the last person to read a sign. And they went, well, yeah. why do you do this? And I said, because you asked can... <laughs> And I went, well, and I tell them, if I can design something that gets me to read it, then I know that I'm going to attract a larger percentage of people because yeah. I'm like the majority of people, I'm yeah. not going to read it. And that naturally yeah. made me go oh, to yeah. the next step of, of, of making it a video. So for several years, I would push it and say, let's do video. And I just start doing stuff on my own and saying, here, take a look at this and take a look at this. And eventually clients started asking for small teasers and, teaser videos and I was able to do that for them and I was able to do some promotional stuff and it was at the moment that I finally got to do um, 
which I guess for me was, it was sort of like a 15 minutes of fame, even though nobody knows that I did it was, uh, I put together a promotional video for the St. Louis aquarium here in here in St. Louis, which is opening on Christmas. And it, Oh, it's not open yet. Okay. It's, it is. Yeah. It's opening on Christmas. And I, you know, I pitched it to the client. I scripted it, storyboarded it, cast it, directed it, edited it, you know, and you've never done that before. I didn't, all of it? No. 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 Yeah. And, and it ended up getting something like 700,000 views, which, you know, locally, which was great. And, you know, and then I got to meet John Goodman and, you know. Yeah, did did you cast John Goodman then? uh, The client knew John Goodman and they knew a few other people. And um, they were talking about, uh, I want to say his name is John Hamm. I know everyone's going to be like, how do you not know him? But I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, and a few other local celebrities. And, and I sat there, I was like, do you really think you can get John Goodman? And they said, yeah. So next thing I know, you know, I'm in a radio station with him and I was like, Oh, this guy, I don't even know why I'm here. Right. I mean, cause he's a professional. What am I? But sure enough, enough, he needed me to direct him on how to say the script that I wrote. I mean, because the, yeah, because the first time he read it, it sounded almost like, you know, one of those typical voiceover voices for, uh, movie trailers or commercials. And so I I had to talk him through it line by line of exactly how I thought it should go. And he was so responsive and so nice. And and in the end, it was funny when I edited his audio, I even still had to go in and kind of say, well, he said this word better. So I'm going to cut it out from here and put it over here and kind of stitched it back together. And I, I think it turned out really well. I, have but, to, I haven't actually seen it. I've just seen the pictures that you sent me, but I haven't actually seen the ad. I'll find it after this. I'll actually post it after this. Uh, just if it's, if it's online, I'll find it and I'll post it. It is online, yeah. And you but, shot it with cameras and everything, and you, 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 had, you had no background in it. You just kind of pitched it and went for it? Yeah. I, 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 I took a really big risk because I sat there at the client, looking at the client, and they said, can you do something that's like Disney? And I said, yes, I can. <laughs> Yeah. And I never had. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I knew we couldn't because we obviously didn't have the budget. And, you know, all yeah, that but, stuff, the, the, but this is that whole client thing where they say right. they're Disney and you come back with what they can afford. And then exactly. somewhere in the middle, you get like Disney light. Uh, you know exactly. I mean? exactly. Um, that's incredible. I'm very ballsy. Um, yeah, because I, yeah, I love that. There's a there's a Richard Branson quote that I always remember where if somebody asks you to do something and you think you can do it, just say yes and then figure it out. So yeah. if you think you can do something, go for it. And if you can actually, generally, if you think you can do something, you're willing to put in the time and effort to figure out how to do it. Um, yeah. And a lot of times you probably know yourself, you probably, there's probably things about it that you would think, Ugh, but no one noticed. And you'd right. be like, yeah, it worked out pretty well. But yeah, it's funny. That's incredible. And you went through that. And that's like trial by fire to learn that whole process from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, which part of it did you least like and which part did you like the most? Uh, I think the storyboarding was maybe my least favorite. And that was because in my, in my head, I knew exactly what it was going to be. And I'd have people tell me, well, you have to storyboard. I was like, ah, drawing. I just, you know, 
I, I used to draw, and one day I decided I'm not drawing anymore. Now you're telling me to draw Good again. Try, yeah. I was <laughs> like, I just can't. And I ended up storyboarding it by taking pictures. So I, that's, yeah, that's I, brought, I, I brought my husband and my daughter yeah. to the to the site, and I just made them do stuff over. I was like, okay, now you're going to do this, and I take a picture, and I do this, and I take a nice. picture, and that's how I put it all together. So well, that's for whatever works for you. I I I, I yeah. take. I find movie stills from other movies and I throw them into a storyboard because I couldn't be, if I draw it, it'll make no sense to me later on when I look at it, yes. it doesn't make any sense. So I need to actually have a physical thing, but I just steal pictures from other movies and then add them in and I go, well, I know it's going to look like this and it's going to, but if, as long as you find your process, but how long did the whole thing take you? Uh, I think we had four weeks well, to do this. So and, you was, uh, and you edited it and you'd never edited it before. Uh, yeah, the editing that I had done was just stuff that I'd done on my own. So, you know, I learned in iMovie and then moved to Final Cut. Yeah. And, and then that was gone. And then, you know, I had Premiere and I was like, okay, I've got to learn this thing. I was like, well, you know, I can figure it out. I was it like, is how funny. hard can it be? Yeah, I got a couple so. of YouTube tutorials. <laughs> and, you, and, and what's funny is you only need to learn what you need to know to get you... You don't need to know the entire thing. You come to something, right. you're like, how do I do that? And then you learn how to do that. And then you come to another exactly. roadblock. How do I? And it's piece by exactly. piece. You don't have to kind of wade into the hole. Because if you wait, I, Premiere Pro, I think I said before in other shows, I don't, I don't edit on my computer anymore. I edit on my phone. I edit everything on my phone. I haven't edited on my computer in years. But the reason with Premiere Pro, I used to love Premiere Pro, but I, I'd end up four days later, I'd end up trying to do something because I'd stumble upon a, a YouTube tutorial would play the next one. And it'd be uh -huh. something I didn't want to do, but if I go, oh, it'd be cool to do that. And then I'd spend four <laughs> days trying to learn to do that specific thing. And I realized that yeah. it was just, it was too much. So at yeah. least when I edit on my phone, uh, it, it's streamlined to be exactly what I want from it. And then I, I, I don't, there's no kind of distractions. If you know what I mean, I'm easily distracted, but uh, that's incredible that you, that's so ballsy. I'm actually uh, very impressed because I would fall apart. The stress of that would. Would you? Yeah, I'd I be like. To, I seem to work better under stress. <laughs> yeah, I'd be. If someone goes Disney, I'd be like massive gulp. Yeah, I think I can do that. <laughs> and then I'd panic and and outsource it to somebody else. But um, but uh, no, that's great. So, and they and they loved it. They didn't ask you to make major changes or anything like that. No, or? they loved it. It was pretty much you know it was pretty much first take. They loved. Wow. Yeah. And then after that, you left the exhibit design job to do it full time. Yeah, because I had actually done. So I had actually done another video for the company I worked for, and this they had a a cave that they had just built. So you know, like those rooms that you can yeah. project onto multiple uh, walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so they were having a a big celebration and inviting clients and, you know, former employees and stuff. And I was like, we should do a video. Now, I had never done this before either. So I was like, I can do this. So in a week, <laughs> believe it or not, I made a I made a video about the office. I scripted it. I found Brilliant. the employee that no one would have ever thought would have done a good voiceover. But I was like, he's got an incredible voice. So that I directed his voice. And um, I made, you know, I made this, this, short film that was on three walls and yeah, nice. you know and everything bounced from wall to wall it had a really good flow and and then i made the logo for the room and kind of art directed how the animation for it would go and 
everyone was so excited, except that some, a few people weren't excited. Um, and I said, you know, this probably isn't working out for us anymore. Um, oh, really? So a lot of times, so do you, ever, you ever notice like that one of the big words out these days is collaboration. Everything's collaboration. You know, we collaborate yeah. with people. And I was like, well, you know what? I did collaborate with people and on the project, it took maybe, I only had to collaborate with maybe two people, but I think that's a collaboration, right? I mean, yeah, any, any, you know, at some else, point. Anyone outside you is a collaboration. If you're working with right. one person, you're collaborating, you know? Right. Well, this was a scenario where the belief was it needed to be a 10 person collaboration. I said, no, <laughs> it didn't need to be a 10 person collaboration. Oh yeah. Cause said, then. Well, yeah, they were sort of like, well, that's the way we work. You need to do that. And I went, Then well, you're doing stuff I, by committee and everything slows down. And, and everything slows down and it never turns out as well, well as you'd want it as to be. It, yeah. As you want it to be. And I said, so I think that this isn't right for me. And um, so we parted ways. And, and right. after that, and, and that's when I did, I said, well, I need to do something now. And I, I did the deepest cut. And, wow. And, and, my husband was super supportive. He said, you can do this. He's like, he's like, I don't need, he's like, I don't even want you to find other work. He said, I just want you to prove that you can do a video. And, and when I finished it, he was like, that's great. And I said, well, I think I should enter it in film festivals. He said, you don't need to. And I, and you know, when I entered it, yours was the first festival that yeah. accepted it. And he was like, that's great. That's fantastic. And I said, well, Maybe I should enter it in another one. <laughs> he's, starting to, he's starting to sweat because he's like, now get a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what's surprising? I, I'm always so surprised. He He's the most supportive person ever. He has never said that to me. Um, oh, brilliant. The only, the only thing he's ever told me is, okay, I want you to do the next one. He's like, brilliant. I don't want you to talk about it. I just want you just to do, do it. Just do it. Yeah. And, um, it's That's incredible. Place. It, it, and how long, really how long have you been? How long have you been then doing like one one mouse one mouse creative? I got the name wrong. Yeah, one, that's yeah. right. One mouse how long, creative. How long have you been doing that then? Uh, so that's now been a year and a half. Wow, and it's going. You're very very happy. Yeah, it's going well. I mean, in fact, sometimes I have too much uh, freelance work that I can't yeah. get to videos, so I have to have those talks. My husband has to sit me down and say, okay. Remember, you're doing this to make videos. You're not doing yeah. this to make money. You don't yeah. need to make money. And I'm like, that's uh, right. But I feel like I need to make money. <laughs> but it's also, it's also, it's, I imagine it's also difficult when people offer it to you and you're like, I don't want to say no. I don't want to say no. Exactly. I don't want to say no. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because I, I, I do, I have my own business and I, I, I want to do training. I just want to train people. And every mm -hmm. third person I meet is like, nah. I want you to do it for me and I don't want to do it, but I don't want to say no to it. So right. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Because I just, I don't see the, I see the future is in people being able to do stuff on their own. I don't necessarily see the future is in people having people do it for them, but, uh, but I still do it, but I, it, it kind of pulls you, the money is there, but it kind of pulls yeah. you away from your focus. And, uh, but I still, I still do the training, but I like teaching. I, uh, teaching, I really enjoy Video work, I don't enjoy as much. I can do it. I'm interested in it, but I just don't love it as much as training people how to do it. Um, so you're you're part of a film festival, and you don't like filming. No, I do. I I like 
So when I was, so it's funny, right? I it's funny. I have a background in festival management, okay, and I oh, wanted to set up. I wanted to set up a film festival for years, and I went back to. I had a. I enjoyed film. I wrote about film, and I said, you know what? I'd love to make a movie. So I went back to study it, and within twenty minutes of the first day, I was like, oh, I don't want to make a movie. I want to be a producer. I want to. I liked the whole fundraising background aspect oh, of it. Oh wow! Yeah. And that's where the festival came from because then I realized, you know, like there's a lot of talented people making film. I should either help them make film or find a place for them to be able to exhibit their films. And I, I, I found I was far more excited by that prospect because I knew a lot of talented filmmakers and I would do anything to help them make stuff, but I wouldn't necessarily want to do it myself. So I still do it. People ask me, I shoot all the time. Um, but I, I would prefer, if you gave me a choice, I would say I'd just rather teach. Because I always wanted to be, my entire life, I wanted to be a trainer or a teacher of sorts. Uh, and I didn't study it. And then eventually I kind of fell into this world. And I was in a position to be able to teach people stuff. Um, and that's what I really enjoy. But for every two people who want to be trained, there's one person who wants it done for them. And because I have kind of my foot in two worlds, I can't say no to those people who want something done for them. So I'll do that as well. But my heart, my passion would be in training. Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I really enjoy. Um, and, and I'm starting to see that shift. Gradually, it's, it's, there's more people who want to be taught than there is people who want stuff made for them, in my world anyway. And that's kind of working out well. But I still have a ton of videos that are being shot. Either I'm shooting them or I'm producing them. And there's all, they're all going on at different times. I do all the client stuff that everybody hates to do. Hates to do. But I have, <laughs> it's so funny because I, I have real patience for that. Uh -huh. But I, I, I know people who don't, and I know people who would who would take offense to feedback, you know, negative feedback from a client, right. and they'd be like, that guy, I'm not making those changes or whatever. Uh, well, I oh, I don't mind all any of that. I don't mind that whole part of the process. I don't mind dealing with people and talking to them and kind of managing expectations. So that's... Okay, well, I mean, it's because it's their vision that you're trying to achieve. It's, you know, you're trying to help them yeah. yeah, create that vision. Um, I find I, that sometimes they don't know what their vision is uh, until yeah. they see your vision, and then right. suddenly they know what their vision is. Yeah. But Usually you've already, that's the case. <laughs> yeah, but you've already kind of agreed on the vision that you've handed them. So there's a lot of that. It's a very weird process yeah, because at is. the start, everyone's like, fantastic. It's amazing. It's great. And then they see it and they're like, yeah, that's not what we had in our minds. And I was like, but I showed you storyboards. We had conversations. You know what I, mean? right. I thought I was pretty clear. But yeah, it's, it's funny. And then you've got to do this weird thing where you got to meet somewhere in the middle and after that. Yeah. Um, but it's a funny process. It's, funny. it's a funny job. But when you're doing, you're, 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 when you say you're doing freelance stuff, are you still doing design exhibits? I still then? am. I still yeah. am, yeah. yeah. For like everything and anyone or... Everything and everyone. So, you know, last year I, I worked on uh, projects in China. They were aquariums in China. And, wow. You know, this year, right now I'm working on some zoo projects. And, you know, I'll work on tiny things too, you know. Uh, you know, uh, a small uh, small charter school in the city wants some signage done. I'll be like, yes, nice. yes, I'll do it. And I'm like, absolutely, because there's something... I don't know. There's something really satisfying about it too. I mean, yeah. I, I probably work more than I did before. I definitely make less than I did before. Yeah, that's but the, the way. But the satisfaction is so much greater. I, 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 yeah. For anyone who is watching, and I know there's some people watching yourself employed, there is something I really like. I earn, I earn considerably less money, 
but I, for the same reason, because every time I leave the house or every time I get an email or a phone call or I meet someone, it opens a door or could potentially open a door to something else. And that's why yeah. I kind of find exciting. Well, when I worked a full-time job, it was always the same. Do you know what I mean? There was no scope to go different directions or whatever. You were always kind of hemmed in and you can go anywhere. And your really only limit is kind of how much effort you want to put into something. Uh-huh. Uh, now, I'm lucky. I don't have a family. You're saying you have a daughter, yes? Yes. How old daughter, is she? She is uh, 14. She actually wow. starred in the aquarium video and she's going to... Uh, that one was actually funny because she assumed she was going to have the part and I said, well, no, I really want to, I really want to find the right, I want to find the right kids. And it turned out that no matter how many people I asked with kids, it's like, no, no, no. And I was like, well, it looks like you've got the job. Yeah. yeah. You would think that parents would be throwing their kids and running into the stars of an ad. Yeah. Um, How did you find the casting process, by the way? Like for Uh, you Outside of your daughter, was there more people in it? How do you find that whole process? And- it, you know, it was far more difficult than I imagined. Because like you said, I thought that people would be jumping at the yeah. chance to have their kids in, in this video about this aquarium in St. Louis. Who wouldn't want that? And yeah, yeah. apparently, no. It, so it was, I had to do a very long search just to find three kids to... Yeah to do what I wanted. And, and, and on top of that, I had to find diversity. So, yeah. Right. So sometimes it's really easy just to find like, fine, yeah, kids, but you, but you want, you, know, you want to represent the, the community. Yeah. And so then that made it a little challenging too. But in the end, so I had three kids. My daughter was the only one that has um, taken direction from me because for several of the promotional videos and teasers I had done for clients, she was actually the voice. Oh, cool. So I had directed her voiceover on on several projects. So she was already comfortable with that, but these two other kids had zero experience, and uh, they did amazing. And so yeah. I think it, what, I, what I found was uh, the person that uh, was doing the cinematography, he said, He's like, you're just amazing with kids. I mean, you just yeah. seem to know exactly what to tell. And I, I was like, I, I don't Say, know. Hey, I'm a kid. I'm a parent. So I assume, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> if I didn't know how to talk to kids, we'd be in trouble. Um, we, but uh, yeah. that's great because I, I always hear it's, I've never worked with kids, but I always hear it's, it's tough. But I mean, if they're, if they take direction pretty well and, then it's great, like Jimmy. And you, I suppose it's yeah. a short shoot as well. And there was there was just yeah. three kids in the ad. There was no one else. There was no. That was it, and the rest of it was animation. And oh, so cool. the was and the so the animation was done by people in the office um, who are, are fantastic. And so I had to direct exactly how I wanted each of those segments to flow, how I wanted it to look, because even though there were two people working on it, they both had a very different style. So I had to sort of bring the two of them together, yeah, yeah, yeah. even though they sat right next to each other. Yeah, they, would always nod their heads like, yeah, 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 we get it, we get it. You get it. Like, you don't, don't get it. Because yeah. that looks like this, and this looks yeah, like this, yeah, yeah. and it has to look you like You get what you get. Uh, yeah, yeah, you do the same but thing they, all the time. Yeah, and the, I mean, they did an amazing job and, and made it really easy for me to stitch that part together, so... That sounds incredible. It, it, it sort of starts as a reality thing of three kids and goes into a fantasy. Just like Disney. 
Just, <laughs> <Disney>. <laughs> just like you promised. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I didn't that's... have like 50 people working for me. And yeah. Yeah. But it goes right. to show you can do it like limited resources and kind of gumption and, you know, things like proactivity. You know what I mean? It's the same with yeah. shooting on your phone. Like, how did you. So when you started shooting on your phone, you literally just had your phone handy and started shooting on it, or did you intend yeah. to capture these things? And how did you find doing that on your phone? And I love it. Yeah. Um, in fact, one of the people I worked with, who who's somewhat a mentor of mine, that uh, I met my last year at that job, he's a cinematographer, and he works on a red camera all the time. And the two of us get together and we do yeah. things. And he was and. I had done a behind the scenes uh, video for a, a music video shoot he had done. He's like, oh, you've got your camera, but every, or your phone, every time I show him footage from my phone, the answer I get from him is, is damn, yeah. that's amazing video. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty yeah. good. It's so funny, people, isn't it? You know, yeah, so that's one of the the photos that you see is he's shooting on his red and I'm and right behind, behind him shooting on my phone. And, it, you know, obviously the red is, you know, a higher quality, but I, I actually got some really great stuff. Yeah, and it just depends on my phone. It depends on what you're doing with it as well. I mean, if it's behind the scenes yeah. stuff and I mean, the way people are going to consume it and everything really plays into it. But I don't think like a lot of stuff that's shown at the festival, people wouldn't realize it was shot on the phone unless they... You know, oh, because they're at a festival that's for that. But a lot of stuff people don't realize. Yeah. A lot of times it's filmmakers talking about how they would notice, but the audience doesn't really care unless, as long as you've right. got a really good story and really good audio, people right. don't seem to notice. Um, so like it's, and there's this, but there's this wonderful sweet spot at the moment where you 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 can still defy people's expectations by shooting something on a phone and then go, look at this. And they're like, wow, that's on a phone. I would only imagine it's only a matter of time before that ends and people are like, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? It's pretty obvious that that's shot on the phone. It looks great. I mean, I don't know, Filmic Pro has an update coming out at the end of the year and you're, you're going to be able to, if you have an iPhone 11 and stuff, you're going to be able to shoot three setups at once with the three different lenses simultaneously. So you'll be able to wow. shoot like multiple video all at once wow and stitch it all together so it's like and you'll be able to shoot if you're shooting an interview you'll be able to shoot the main camera and you asking the question simultaneously really and can, yeah and then you can stitch them together so you're gonna have a, a like a one it'd be like this essentially but filmed as an interview um and that that sort of stuff you're gonna see that seep into stuff and that's going to change people's perspectives and things like that and i mean i, I always say i'm on borrowed time because sooner or later it's just going to become a filmmaking festival. Do you know what I mean? There's only so long I can kind of ride that out. You know, I actually think it already is because yeah. in just in the, the one year that I've been in film festivals, uh, the quality of the mobile films, I mean, it just seemed like exponentially in yeah. a year. Yeah. Just, I mean, uh, almost took me out of it. I, I, I really believe that. I mean, they're just, some of them are just so amazing. They're just so amazingly shot. And I was like, wow, I, I think don't think I can compete with that. <laughs> but I think, I think maybe it was for a long time, people thought it was kind of niche and, and, yeah. and kind of amateur. And then I think a lot of professionals started looking at it. And then when they came in and, and people who had industry experience and stuff like that and started playing around with it, then you started to see kind of, they were pushing it to as far as it could go. And now you're starting to see stuff that you wouldn't be able to tell. You know what I mean? When I started right. this, when I started the festival, you could still tell, you know what I mean? 
there were, but now not so much. I mean, there's a there's a documentary that's uh, submitted successful um, about free divers in the Maldives, um, and it's shot on an iPhone using the Axis Go underwater rigs, and you would not know that that is shot on a phone. That's incredible. Like it's 4K footage. It's underwater. They're swimming with whales, and you would not know at all unless I tell you or somebody tells it. So you're starting to see that kind of that people are treating as a serious filmmaking device. And I think that's kind of reflected in the in the stuff that's coming back onto the screen, which is great. You know what I mean? And now you're you're in this kind of world where people are looking at and going, well, I have a phone. Maybe I could do that. And then mm-hmm. that's where that comes in. Do you know what I mean? Where people are like, maybe I can take a run at it. Because they always say everyone has like a good book in them. But, you know what I mean? You could grab your phone and make a movie. It might necessarily be good, but it, it's it's a... It's if I gave you a camera, you didn't know how to do it, you might be put off by it. But if I give you a phone, you'll at least be open to it because you understand how phones work. And then if right. you turn, if it turns out that you're, you're you're a storyteller, then you can take it from there. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, it's funny. It's a funny. It's funny because I've really seen a difference in the last three years, like yeah. a huge difference. Uh, it's crazy. But you know, I'll keep plugging. Maybe I'll maybe in our two or three years in front of over, I'll just have to call it, call it the Dublin Film Festival. Um, but we'll see how that goes. But but that, you, that's evolution. I mean, that's, yeah. I, I mean, think I, about all, think about all the people right now that, well, for example, my friend who's filming on the red, I mean, he's like, mobile phones aren't serious. And I went, well, your camera wasn't serious. I mean, there was yeah. a time when, when those weren't serious and you know, you had to have the film in the giant cameras and all that stuff. Yeah, it's like, so yeah. it's just an evolution of the process. It's just, and one day, and I said, I don't believe that necessarily phones are going to just take over and, no, but, you know, you'll be out of a job. I said, I, I just think it's going to morph into something new. And yeah, it'll be cameras that small and, you know, yeah. and then it'll just become yeah. handheld devices. But it's funny because a friend of mine, Jer, left a comment there just to say uh, that I, he, he just says, shut up, Rob, you, you love cameras and you know you do and you always will. <laughs> and I distinctly remember having a conversation with him like uh, two years ago. Where I kept, when I started the festival, we were doing a photo shoot. It was with a bunch of the guys. And I kept saying, guys, drop your cameras, start using your phones. And they kept saying to me, well, cameras are going to get better. And I was like, well, phones are going to get better. And they're like, well, cameras will always be better. And I was like, are you telling me there's a world where you live in a world where no one's going to make a phone, a camera the size of a phone that will be as good (laughs) as something else? Do you know what I mean? So eventually they just will become tiny handheld devices and whether we use them for phone calls or not but the ideal being is that everyone will have one in their pocket and everyone will be producing their own tv shows which is already going that way as it is it is yeah um um, now you run into a system where who's going to watch all these tv shows uh and it'll probably end up just being strangers shouting into weird solo echo chambers (laughs) Uh, but you know that's a kind of a grim well, then, view of the I mean, future. That's the future too. I mean, think of that's the way kids are going these days. Kids get most of their entertainment off of YouTube yeah. now, and so this is a this is the perfect format for it. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And then you're, and then obviously, older generation or adults and stuff like that are are trying to kind of because a lot of the teaching I do are people who you who they're people who didn't like kids are grand because your 14 year old daughter probably knows her way around the phone. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And I, when I started yeah. the festival, I thought, Oh, it's going to be kids because kids love phones and kids love technology, but they already know everything. They already know everything mm-hmm. from being online and stuff like that. So it's really people who, who, who spent the first half of their life with no phones and then have been kind of given it and told, learn this. 
and by the way, this is what I can do. And they're not really exposed to what people are using it for. So they're the kind of people who end up kind of picking it up and adopting it and using it because they, they, they tend to sort of understand it and want to know more about it as opposed to kids. Mm -hmm. I taught a class of kids once and we were picking edits on the big screen and they knew more naturally about the language of cinema and editing just from... I was a pick, pick the next take. And they're like, oh, you picked that one. I was like, why? And they're like, oh, because this is this and you want to understand what this. I went to college to learn a lot of the stuff that they just <laughs> knew. You know what just I mean? Uh, yeah, they yeah. just knew it naturally. A lot of it's to do, I, I was, remember, remember Vine years ago. Uh, do you remember Vine? It was like seven seconds. They got rid of it. Oh, no. It was like no, a social media, that. it was like a social media thing where you could shoot seven seconds of video. And people, oh, yeah, yeah, you can yeah, see them on yeah, YouTube yeah, too. Yeah. But people came up with really inventive ways to say to do condensed storytelling in seven seconds. And the amount of learning that people learned from that app before they got rid of it was how to do economic storytelling in seven seconds. It was incredible. Mm -hmm. They were, they managed to pack in like huge volumes of information in just seven seconds. And I think that informed a lot of people's ability online and how they edit like because more and more people are proficient with being able to edit footage and when i was studying film no one knew how to do it and now you can people just naturally cut stuff together for social media oh i have this oh, yeah. app and i cut two things together and you know what I mean? and they understand yeah. the language of it which is incredible like um but yeah i've started to feel very very old uh, yeah. well yeah. you know me too i remember when yeah i remember when computers just came out and i remember there were no cell phones and i you know yeah i do as well i had to tell people you remember i had to tell them there was a time there was no internet there, yeah yeah what what Fuck, yes, yeah there was yeah a time it didn't exist yeah in like the 1700s you're like no right i remember no, just... i still remember my first mobile phone was a siemens uh, they used to call them blocky. Uh, they called them blocky as a joke, but they were these huge black hands. Oh, those giant ones? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I bought it off a friend of mine when I was 14 for five Irish pounds, I think it was at the time. And the reason I bought it was because one of my other friends had a mobile phone and we were kids. And every Friday night, they, you know, we're 14 and we're moving around the neighborhood, we're moving around stuff like that. And I could never find them. And I used to have to, I'd go to all the spots, they weren't there. I'd walk all the way home. I'd ring the one guy on a mobile phone and I'd be like, where are you? He's like, oh, we're in that lane. And I'd be like, okay. And I'd 20 minutes to the lane. They're not there because they moved somewhere else. And I got so frustrated with it that I bought a cell phone. And I remember everybody laughed at me. I brought it home. My parents laughed at me and they said, what are you going to use a phone for? Because at the time, the only people that needed mobile phones were business guys. Right. Um, and it's funny. And then after that, it just took off. And that was what? 19, 20, I'm 35, so it's like 20, 20 years ago. Um, so see, I'm older than you, so yes. I'm really the one that's old. <laughs> yeah, please, <laughs> please I'm, I am, looking actually. Oh, well, I've looked 40 since I was I'm 10. I'm actually so. over 10 years older than you. So, yeah. You do not look 10 years yeah. older than me. I would argue that you look younger than me, and I am Thank hardly you, ravaged but... by time. Trust me, I, when I was 19, people a lot older used to think I was like, Hey, do you think I was, I looked really old when I was young. So I had a little mustache when I was 11. So I was screwed. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Well, you could probably get into bars sooner than you wanted to. In Ireland. Yes. In the U S no, uh, yeah. but they were strict. But I mean, I got turned away in a bar in Canada five years ago because I didn't have ID. It was me and a six year old couple because none of us had ID. And, uh, really? Yeah, I've only been asked that's, for ID. That's when you sort of go. That's when you sort of go. Come on. Yeah, this is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I think I've been asked for ID twice in my life. 
twice. Huh. And I was so surprised. I was like, what? But um, just before, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I better wrap this up because we're running on. But I was just going to say, um, what, is, what is your next project or can you say that you're uh, film wise? My next project that I didn't get into your festival yeah. uh, that I'm working on is uh, it's sort of a non-narrative documentary yeah. uh, that speaks to uh, two events that happened in St. Louis over the summer. The flood, um, and also the other flood, which was the national championship uh, winners of hockey, the Blues. Oh, cool. And it was the first championship they ever won. Yeah. And this city went crazy. So it's uh, it's sort of, it's it's taking a look at... uh, that word flood in two different forms, looking at it in the human form and looking at it in the natural form. And, uh, it's really short, even though I took just ridiculous amounts of video. (laughs) Just unbelievable. I have way more than I need. And I'm trying to edit it into maybe about two and a half minutes. Uh, and then I'm working on, uh, I have a scripted, uh, 10 minute, 10 or 15 minute short, uh, that I'm going to start filming in the spring. Oh, um, so it's like, like a fiction, like you're going to do. That one is a fiction and, uh, it's, it's a, it's going to be a pretty, you know, it's going to be a pretty sort of hard one. Uh, it, that one's, uh, but you're going to have to weigh into gonna, the world of lighting, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm okay, still natural do natural oh, Nice, lighting. nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, yes. Yeah. We'll see how that one turns out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's perfect. If it's natural, if it's outdoors, it's set it all a day, it's great. No one wants to see yeah. stuff at night anyway. Um, but, um, no, that's, that's incredible. So you're, you're flat out. Uh, I was only listening to music today and I was like, God, I'd love to make a, cause I haven't made a fiction something in a long time. And I was kind of jonesing to be like, God, maybe I could just make something. And cause I kind of would love to do something. I'd love to just make an action movie on my phone. Um, just to do it, just to be like, I did it. Um, but I don't know if I'd have the time, uh, but maybe. Maybe I'll start scripting after this. I like writing scripts on my phone because it seems less daunting. If I just write it, it's like yeah. writing a text message. So maybe yeah, I'll start scripting something. Yeah, because yeah. it's great. It's same. That's why I like editing on my phone because it's kind of like if you told me I had to go and sit there and edit, I'd be like, ugh. But if you tell me I can do it on my phone while I'm watching TV, I'm like, yeah, all right. I'll edit for 20 minutes and then 20 minutes turns out to be four hours, but I'm just kind of in it with headphones on, so I don't mind, like... But, um, I think that's really impressive because I know someone that uh, that I met in San Diego. He did a 15-minute short on a mobile phone and uh, that he edited actually from a 30-minute film. And he, he uses his phone to do everything as well. But when he edits, he actually does it on an iPad because I asked him, I was like, how do you actually get, how can you actually edit on your phone? I mean, yeah, phones are big, but they're still really tiny. And he went, oh, no, no, no. I do the editing on the iPad. But I'm still, yeah. Yeah. He's still not I using them. Co- I lost the password to my iPad, so I can't get into it. So I, oh. that's why I don't use my iPad. <laughs> but no, I, I use, if I, I don't know, I just got used to it. Like I, sometimes... I'll if I'm it depends on what I'm editing on. So I, I have an Android and an iPhone. So I generally tend to do social media stuff on my Android, and I tend to do all my filming stuff on my iPhone because I can shoot. I can ex. I can shoot in 4K and I can export in 4K on the iPhone. I can't do it on the Android, which is why I don't use it. But if I'm editing on the Android, I, I generally tend to link it to my TV sometimes, 
when they edit on the TV. It doesn't give you any more real estate on your phone. You're still on your phone, but it just blows up. Yeah. But I kind of just got used to it. It doesn't really bother me. Um, yeah, I just got used to it. I've been doing it for years, so I, I, it's this, I find it fast. So I, and, and, and I, that's kind of the trade-off. I just pick it up and go, like, you know I mean? And I do video work and I do on-site edits. So I'll shoot it, like, I, 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 I'd start at 9 to shoot. I'd finish the shoot at 12. And then I edit from 12 to 3, maybe, on my phone. And then I give them the video at the end, finished. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that if I was, if I was on a laptop or something, cause I'd have to transfer right. footage and all, but on my phone, I'll just pull up a desk, throw on headphones and edit. Um, so I just got used to it that way. I don't know. Um, I have like computers. I was going to use, um, DaVinci Resolve to edit something recently. And it's so funny. I transferred everything onto it and then I kind of just picked up my phone and started editing. So, uh, so cause I, cause I would have had to teach myself. I, I didn't, I didn't know DaVinci Resolve and I, I knew how to do it on my phone. I was like, you know, I'll just do it on my phone. Yeah. And then I, I tried to learn yeah. DaVinci. It's nice, but yeah, it's a little daunting. Like again, you know, I learned just what I needed. Yeah, exactly. And it. like, it's, <laughs> and it's the same, like I have Premiere as well. I, I but my, that Premiere laptop, that's on another laptop. It's kind of slow. So I was like, oh, I'll use DaVinci because it's free and it's quite robust for your free thing. Uh, and then I was like, oh, I have to learn new stuff. And so, and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. So I just edited on my phone. Like I'm editing a project now and um, I have to get rough cuts in. And even before this call, I just transferred all the footage onto my phone and just cut them together really quick. And I've been putting it off doing it because I wanted to do it on my computer. And I was like, I need to be done. I'll just do it. So I did it. I poured all the footage on. I got half the job done in three hours and I'll, I'll finish it after this, but it would have taken me way longer to sit at my computer and do it. See, I, I just, think that's like, that's a really, actually a really good, uh, sort of lesson, not, not really a lesson, but, uh, just something that I, I probably should be doing more than it depends on I, what yeah. I am. You I just kind of, yeah, I just kind of figured out a long time ago uh, what what my what my blocking points are. So if yeah. something if it's something like that would prevent me would make me I procrastinate if if I have to think about something exactly. I'll procrastinate. So finding things that will stop me from procrastinating means I'll do it. So editing on my phone I won't procrastinate I'll just do it. But if you like learning DaVinci Resolve I couldn't be arsed I'll procrastinate I'll get to it eventually. But I, it's yeah. So it's identifying things in your life that prevent you from doing stuff and then finding ways around them. and it's, I, that's kind of what I've been doing that's why I I don't shoot on my camera anymore I like cameras I do occasionally but I have to take footage off it load it onto a computer I have to film it I couldn't yeah. and again it's all extra steps that I don't want to do that'll prevent me from doing it so I tend to avoid it one thing I always tell people is that when I'm asked to do photo shoots I bring my camera with me and I take all the photos on my phone and I edit them on my phone and they just think I use my camera because I was holding it <laughs> uh, and nobody notices so, so I'm kind of the opposite. I'm actually using a camera. Yeah. Um, because I, 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 I think it's really important for me to learn more about uh, really that full process of, uh, well, I mean, you know, camera, using a camera, it's sort of a science. Yeah, because there's, there's definitely a science to yeah. photography and to cinematography. And, um, you know, I, I've been told a lot of times that, People have told me that I just seem to have a natural talent, but there's a lot. I there's a ton I don't know, and it's sort of easy for me to pick up a phone and yeah. just shoot. But I enjoy the challenge of really trying to understand how a camera works, and 
So I have some cheap, you know, Canon that I bought that's like really old, but, yeah. and, and of course I was trying to make it easy. So I got, you know, a nice sort of like Sigma lens and then realized that I had these nice, really, really nice Leica lenses that my dad had given me a yeah. long time ago. And so now I'm like, oh, so now I have the Leica lenses on and you know, that's all manual. So I'm from this entirely manual thing on this, you know, digital camera yeah. that doesn't, so therefore it doesn't accept anything the manual thing is doing. And I just go to town and yeah, there's a lot of stuff that comes out a little blurry because, you know, I'm older and finding that focus is harder, especially yeah, yeah. when it's not, especially when the lens isn't connected to a Leica camera, right? It, yeah. it doesn't have all the stuff working for it. But I think I'm learning this a lot more from that. I'm really starting to understand that the ISO and the focus and, you know, all of the stuff that I didn't really have to think about before when I just picked up my phone and just did it. Yeah, I, I, I'm so I'm the opposite. So I learned it all and then kept going, <laughs> why do I need to why? do this when I can just <laughs> do this? I was like, I understand it. I know how it works. But it's, for me, it was so finickety and cumbersome. And I, I just wanted something that was fast. So I was like, oh, and then I just switched to that. So I was the opposite. But yeah, I, I, I'd I agree. Like you, you kind of, it's better that you understand it all. Then you can go and do whatever. But I just became, I, I just always looked as like somebody out there, like this guy really loves cameras. He seems to enjoy that. I don't. I like this, so I'll stick to this. But but I do, I think there's, a, I remember I, I knew someone who's a photographer, a wedding photographer, and I said to her, I asked her a question about her camera. She's very talented. And I asked her a question about her camera, and she, I was like, what are you setting? She goes, I don't know. I just put it on sport mode and take photos. And she just <gasps> takes photos. Really? And she just takes tons oh, of no. photos. And then she comes back with these incredible photos. And I was like, what? Yeah. yeah. Well, just, goes, just used her phone. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing. Like, she, she, I think she, right. she's naturally creative, and I think she understands yeah. it all. She yeah. just doesn't want to really articulate She just doesn't want to do all that stuff, yeah. Exactly. And I was kind of looking for the science part of it. And she was just like, no, nah, I just put on sport mode and take tons of photos. And then, but the photos she gets back are incredible because she's a natural eye for photography and all sorts of stuff. While I'm you know, fiddling around with things and swapping out lenses and stuff like that. Uh, and I just, it used, that used to cause me stress. So I was like, my phone does not cause me stress. I will use that. Um, so I'm, I'm just really trying to eliminate barriers to creativity and that's kind of why you know, I it's really, it's, it is really cool though to be able to take this little manual lens and uh go to uh, uh, a dance rehearsal or a basketball game where there's a lot of movement and mm -hmm. to be able to like work that lens i don't know yeah. there's something about it where i know that i can just i know i can easily just take out my phone and get everything yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's not to even get have there. to think about it well, I, I, mean, always I, say, I really have to work at it it's sort of nice. i like the the 50 <laughs> mil prime lens you know for the canon you know yeah, i i don't yeah. think you can substitute that uh, like and I that's did, what I use all the time. I'm yeah, I love 50. it. I love it. I love it in video. I love it in things because it's quite personal. I did use, sorry, I did lie. I did use my camera recently uh, for something, and it was. I really liked the image I got it because it was. Uh, it was just nice and quite. Uh, but I used that and I edited it with phone footage, um, yeah. and nobody noticed. Yeah. But it was. It was. I. I. I just really wanted a specific type of shot, uh, which was like a really tight close up of, of an artist. Um, and uh, you know, there's no substitute for that. And when he moved, he moved in and out of focus, and I loved it. 
because he was moving and his focus was changing. But I just love that. Yeah. I don't think there's a substitute for that. Although I will say portrait mode on the iPhone 11 is a pretty damn good job is <laughs> of, it? of faking that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is it doing it in video yet or no? Is it no, I, no, I think the... Um, so one of the Samsungs has a video... Uh, I can't remember what it is. Has like a video. It, it it fakes it in the background. That gives you that effect, out of focus effect for video. Yeah. I can't remember which device it is. Uh, I did see it though, um, but I don't know which device it is. So it is something that does exist. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I still like the lens. It's so easy yeah. to use. You just start, you just walk towards something. You walk backwards. It's great. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you get incredible <laughs> results. Um, yeah. And I don't think I trade that for anything um but other than that yeah i'll throw my camera in the bin and take my phone because <laughs> <laughs> it's just so much less stressful um, and i'm guessing you just use your phone you don't use um like some people use the beast grip and then they attach you know regular lenses to it and then yeah, it, you're almost working with a cam a regular camera again yeah that. it's fu- it's funny because like yeah i don't it's funny people Talk awful, awful lot of times talking classes about um, lenses and stuff like that, and and like how an anamorphic lens for a phone is like the be all end all of human existence. If you had one for your phone, but I don't. The funny thing, lenses are sort of becoming kind of redundant as well because your phone now has multiple lenses. Like this, this thing I was this uh, update for Filmic Pro to allow you to shoot multiple video at once. I mean, you're able to shoot different uh, lenses, use different, access different lenses on the phone to shoot multiple things. So any phones I've had have had multiple lenses on it, like um, like this. So you, it's very hard to attach lenses to that. Yeah. Uh, because it triggers a sensor and it makes it so I don't. And, and when I do the beginner's class, I don't really show people lenses either. I talk about them because it becomes something that people assume they have to have. And right. the classes are really about, you don't need this. You really only need this, this, and this to get started. And one of the things that always bothered me when I was learning filmmaking was the thing you talked about earlier on, I think about uh, really good cameras, is that people were just sort of obsessed with how good their equipment was and their the, the, the strength of their equipment meant their film was really good, that their cameras were good. And you sort of see that seeping into the mobile world a little bit where people need, think you need anamorphic lenses, people think yeah. you need a B-script, they, you think you need a certain type of gimbal. So you see it there, it's just the the, the footage, the equipment is a lot cheaper. But yeah. again, all you need is a tripod, really, and a microphone. And, and even then, you don't need a tripod. You can use a stack of books or a coffee cup if you get stuck, right. you know what I mean? Right. But like, so it's kind of... I don't really use lenses that often i have i have lenses i have a lens kit somewhere around here but i just don't really i tend to just use no you can, on an iphone 8 when you put a nice mid lens on it looks great uh, and and stuff like that but i i generally don't tend to 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 you in the stuff that i film i don't need it to be honest with you because yeah. i do a lot of corporate stuff and yeah it's i actually like, my lenses i i uh really liked when I had an iPhone 6. It was yeah. perfect. Yeah, and, then and it would have been it, ideal. And now it's not. Like, now yeah. when I put those lenses on this phone, I it's just not the same. And so I, I find that I don't use them as much. Yeah, I mean, I, I like do that. have an anamorphic, and I do I actually do like it. And I, I have a macro that I... I mean, because if you go to my Instagram, it's all macro. Oh, it's stuff. all macro photography. My, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just love it. I just, I, you know, yeah. I'm just totally obsessed with it. But, but what, what phone are you using? 
Ah, uh, the that ten R. And has it got multiple lenses on it? Yeah. Uh, As in, it's got like more. No, than it's lens. just got it's just got one. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, like yeah. lenses lenses on the six and the seven and stuff like that were incredible. Yeah, but I just and I really wish I kept my six. You know, I yeah. really do. I was talking to a filmmaker on this a couple of weeks ago, and he just hoovers up sixes. If, if anyone's got a six, they're throwing it away. He's like, give it to me, and he takes it and stockpiles them. So I that's what I'm going to start doing. If anyone's watching this, ignore what I just said. Throw away your sixes and give them to me. Give them to me. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah, I, I would like it back. Give them to us. Yeah, because I would love to. I'd love to use one and use my lenses that I have on it, and because you still get incredible footage from it. Um, there's there's nothing wrong with the footage you get from it, but they just kind of made them obsolete. So I've been on the lookout for older my life phones that I can use all this equipment with. The same way you would use an older camera with old lenses. Do you know what I mean? You would just have it yeah. to use. It still yeah. shoots great video. I'm assuming sooner or later it'll give you a certain look and a feel that you don't have on other newer phones. Um, but uh, yeah, give me your sixes. Give us your sixes. Yeah. Uh, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, but anyway, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm going to head now uh, so I can go okay. back and edit all that footage. But um, thank you so much for this. It's been deadly. Um, thank you. If, can you do, uh, what's your SeaWorld video called? The SeaWorld? Uh, sorry, what's the John Goodman? Is it SeaWorld? Is it? Oh, that one is St. Louis Aquarium. Same, not SeaWorld. St. Louis, I had SeaWorld. I have done stuff for SeaWorld. But... That's what I think you mentioned. <laughs> SeaWorld. Uh, I, St. Louis Aquarium, I'm going to find that video and I'm going to find a way to post it as well on Story oh, so you, people you. can look at it. Yeah. Um, thank you. Cool. All right, well, perfect. Well, thanks for that. And best of luck with your last four festivals and the 10 festivals you haven't told your husband Thank that you, you submitted to. <laughs> and, look forward, and look forward to me maybe submitting this one to your festival next year if it perfect. turns out. Okay. I will do. Keep me posted and I will uh, make sure that uh, I know it is there and I'm championing the good word about it. I will. Thank you. Sure. Thank you so much. Have a good right. you. Bye. 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 That's episode two in the bag. Thank you so much, Alexandra. That was very, very insightful. Um, and I personally, it was great to hear uh, what it's like being a filmmaker on the festival side of things and have such positive experiences with festivals. Uh, that's it for episode two, guys. Uh, you can tune in next week. We have another uh, interview with an Irish filmmaker. Um, something a little bit more closer to home. Um, um, but uh, you can check us out. If you want to reach out to us at all, you can uh, reach us uh, at the... Uh, Future Film Acad um, Instagram or the Dubsmart FF Instagram. You can fire us over some questions um, or if you you know want to get involved or you want to talk all things uh, filmmaking, let us know. Bye.